Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's a good uh, Blue Chew ad, by the way. Turns flesh into metal and metal into flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Internet's number one fake history podcast, The Lore Boys. Uh, I'm your host, Ethan Palmer. With me is James. Hey, it's me, James Miller. And Peter. Hi, I'm a little sleepy. Jim Jim Peter. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about Magic the Gathering's New Phyrexia and the uh, explicitly named New Phyrexian Invasion of the Multiverse. Uh, This is going to be, I guess, a primer for that story arc or the current magic the gathering story arc uh this is about as current as magic the gathering story gets um the the largest chunk of lore uh for this episode or, or one of the biggest chunks of lore for this episode is the planeswalkers guide to phyrexia all will be won by grace fong which came out last month essentially came out in january so okay. uh we're pretty, we're pretty current this episode uh was requested by plenty of people a lot of people have been asking uh on the lore boys discord server for more magic the gathering lore but specifically new phyrexia was requested by dark side bunny honest on eric with a k and lorebonian wizard uh, I'll, ne- I'll never get over how great a name Lorbonian Wizard is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was one of our, our jokes, I think, right? And then uh, after we had said the joke, uh, she posted it. I believe so. It used to be yeah. Lizard Wizard, yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we remember uh, all of our favorite people's character arcs, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, um, thanks for, for requesting the episode, everybody. Uh, I always have a good time with Magic the Gathering, so <laughs> request it as much as you want, and I'll, I'll definitely come back to it at some point. Uh, if you want to request an episode or a topic, there is a link to our Discord in the episode description, uh, that you can join, and we have a, a channel for requesting different things. Jamie, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, I was stuck downtown Montreal, uh, a, f- a couple weeks ago, and I was walking around, it's snowing, it's cold. I stepped in a puddle, so my foot was wet, and I was just, I had to, two hours to kill, and I was just looking for a place to, to be. And I found a card shop and I went in and they were having Friday night magic. And it was wonderful. I felt so at home. I was just there watching people play cards. And I was like, I found my little nerd cave that I can wait out the storm. And <laughs> it was wonderful. That's awesome. yeah. 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 If you're, um, if you've never played magic and you only heard our, our episodes, Friday night magics, FNMs uh, are a great way to get intro to the hobby. There will be people there who are, Willing to show you for sure, teach you how to play, all that stuff. Like that's kind of what Friday Night Magics are for. And you, there will be people who are classic basement dwelling neckbeards who will <laughs> maybe <laughs> be unreasonable with you, but just just ignore them as best you can. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, w- I was pretty nice. I was pretty nice with everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. Jamie, <laughs> 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 you, mean, you 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 were just telling us in the bonus content how you spent 45 minutes shaving your neck beard. So I don't think that that applies to you. Uh, I, I work very hard to at least not have the neck beard. Yeah. <laughs> porcelain on camera. I think you did a good job. Oh yeah, yeah. look at that. Yeah, Get a little, little little 
little peck in there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, a buddy of mine who hates uh, his bank account, I think more than anything, I, if if I'm if his spending habits are to be believed, uh, just started getting into the Warhammer 40k Magic set. So obviously. Yeah. It's he wants to combine his two most worthless and expensive hobbies to just like <laughs> spend his money twice as fast. I mean, magic magic has more uh, resale value typically than than Warhammer. I'll say. Um, well, like, yeah. yeah, you can you can buy cards, you can like buy packs, and you know you'll get rares which are worth like five cents whenever you buy them or whatever. And then like two years later, they might like jump in price to be like twenty bucks or whatever, right? Yeah. So um, if you like, it's a lot of work. And it's like it is a uh, a hobby in a very traditional sense, like it's a collecting hobby, like stamp collecting or coin collecting or whatever, where you you do have to kind of uh, be in touch with like the prices and stuff. But there's like apps for smartphones that you can just like you hold the card in front of your camera and it'll just tell you like how much it's worth, you know, and then oh, like cool. we'll have access to like a marketplace and stuff that you can connect with other people on. And like collecting is a lot of fun, uh, especially like when I did when I went through my process of collecting the, my replacement transformers after the house fire, I like finished my collection a month ago and like it sucks actually because the hunt is fun like tracking it down for a good price is fun and now i'm like all right well all right well, i hate that, shit. that. Yeah. <laughs> i hate collecting <laughs> like just I give me, i just i just want to play the game magic the gathering yeah. you know what i mean yeah i guess for Pete, it's not so bad because like the total was eight like you just only had to find eight things or whatever right like <laughs> yeah 10 yeah. instead yeah. of uh, yeah hundreds it comes yeah, to magic yeah thousands yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to give a shout out to new patrons, new pledges this, uh, week, uh, four great names, Trevor, Colton, Miles, and Kenneth, uh, for their support and keeping the lights on. Um, thanks so much, uh, folks. I will say this was a weird one to get Colton and Miles at the same time, just because I know Hudson friends. (laughs) Yeah. I know a Colton and a Miles who came to Jamie and Mai's high school in like the last year of high school, essentially. And they were just like best friends. So like the only Colton and the only Miles I know happen to be very close friends. Then we got a Colton and a Miles both pledging support <laughs> on the Patreon at the same time. So I guess Colton and Miles, you guys should reach out to each other on Patreon. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, and be friends. That's I guess what I'm saying. So, uh, we can only assume you'll like each other. Uh, okay, so let's jump into it because we, we got some, some ground to cover here. Uh, where we last left our magic storyline uh actually you guys i i didn't have it in here that i would let you guys uh stumble around but you guys want to take a crack at at the phyrexian invasion what we know about it so far we kind of talked about it a little bit before the episode so you have some freebies in there yeah, pete has his hand up no I yeah pete, um, go ahead <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah if i recall is there a like a hyper focused like kind of like kind of scientific like consuming machine society, the Phyrexians, and they are like burrowing through the, like forcing their way through the different planes of reality. Cause normally like only a planeswalker can do that, but they have forced their way through the different planes of reality to conquer and like absorb the, the people in these different realms, if I'm correct. So, and they, they, like we talked about the Neon Dynasty, like the big bad or one of them was just like a Phyrexian who had forced his way through into like cyberpunk Japan and was trying to use the whatever the technology that they used to like drain the life out of uh, spirits, basically, yeah. as a, some way to create like like force a planeswalker spark, which is, of course, is your wizard puberty when is when you can, you know, uh, you get bullied enough to travel through time, basically. Right? Yeah. Exactly. If you bust enough ghosts, you could like use all that power to to to, to go to the next plane. I guess. Yes. Okay. Got <laughs> yeah. So, um, was I close? Well, yeah. Mo- mostly, mostly pretty good there. So, um, 
we uh, in our last magic storyline arc that we covered, we uh, were on the plane of Kamigawa. Yeah, uh, there was Kaito Shizuki who had driven out the Phyrexian Praetor Jin Gataxius, the blue aligned uh, Praetor. Right. Uh, but not before the core auger. Sorry. What about the purple guy? Where was he in that? Tezzeret. Tezzeret. We'll we'll talk about in a, in a sec. Okay. So Tezzeret okay. was the one who. So Peter, you were right that uh, Phyrexians aren't able to planeswalk. You you before Jin Gataxius uh, does what I was just about to say, which is he absconded with Tamio and successfully completed, which is when they turned them into Phyrexians. Uh, mm-hmm. So they completed the first Planeswalker when... She was uh, the, the rabbit girl, right? Exactly, the, the yes. moonfolk rabbit girl. Oh, uh, yeah. And they turned her into a Phyrexian, which is the first time that had ever happened. And he did that with the power of the reality chip that that afforded him. Right. So uh, where Tezzeret comes into it is Phyrexians could not Planeswalk. So how did they get to Kamigawa in the first place, right? Um right. In the past, like different planes had been infected by this stuff called glistening oil or Phyrexian oil. It's which... like a mercury shit, right? It's like a exactly, like, like yeah, a fluid, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. what's in the water in Ohio this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and any other Ohioans? Uh, so <laughs> the fucking whatever the transport minister is just like, now we're just gonna blow up that train full of alien fluid downtown. Don't worry about it. You guys yeah, can go yeah. home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um. Yeah, we're ju- we're just gonna. Don't worry. We've got the Phyrexians contained in your town. You you guys yeah. are good. Um, <laughs> just drink bottled water. It's fine. You won't turn into a machine monster. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Let's see who's wearing this mask. Rips off the head of like the the uh, safety minister or whatever, and it's the CEO of Nestle. <laughs> just drink bottled water. <laughs> Water's not a human right, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so Jin Kataxius, uh, with the help of the reality ship, completes Tamio. But how did he get there in the first place? So, Tezzeret, this other planeswalker who we, whom we did a whole episode on, mm-hmm. uh, has something in his chest called the Planar Bridge, which allows him to transport inorganic material across planes, not organic material. Now, Phyrexians are mechanical, but they are a a blending of machine and uh and flesh so they're not purely uh inorganic and they're not purely organic okay they they kind of straddle the line where uh there's something called the mycosynth which exists on meriden which will i'll give you guys a refresher on meriden in a little bit um but this stuff essentially has the ability to turn flesh to metal and metal to flesh back and forth and it kind of just like so these these things are all all the phyrexians are kind of combinations of both so when jin gintaxius arrived on kamigawa he was like in a very weakened state which is why he didn't fight Kaito the first time was because he just arrived and like all his meat parts had been like disintegrated essentially. And he just had to like recover uh, for a while. That's right. a good uh, blue chew ad, by the way, turns flesh into metal and metal into flesh. <laughs> <laughs> French ad is blue chew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, Jenga Taxus would be the blue chew aligned Praetor, right? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like through time to, 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 to fix the Phyrexian boners. <laughs> <laughs> We'll travel the multiverse um, to fix our ED problems. I mean, <laughs> knowing, knowing like pharmaceutical science, they would, right? Like, yeah. Th- yeah. Think of all the science wasted on boners and that where if, they could have done something else. If your metal I doesn't say, turn back to flesh in eight hours, contact yeah. the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you talking about all this, I was just like, just, just thinking back, I was just, it's one of the few arcs that we've got. Of course, it's like a 15 week process because the three of us rotate. And I was like, God damn, dude, Neon Dynasty was tight. Shit, yeah. like so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, 
I, I I have had a lot more enjoyment in my episodes recently by going to source material rather yeah. than rather than the wiki, like using the wiki to to access the source material. Um, and the the Kamigawa one's a prime example where it was just like it's a five part story that I told over four episodes with a Tezzeret episode kind of injected in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's doable because the uh, we've talked about it before, but in the past, Magic or Wizards of the Coast would release like full books and full stories with each set and then they stopped doing it for like a good while in like the mid aughts to the mid 2010s uh and now they've kind of restarted telling full stories again so it's kind of cool that we've kind of got it back um so yeah that's that's like you don't have to remember too much about the kamigawa episode we're gonna actually jump before that and talk about why jin kataxius ends up getting sent to kamigawa um we're going to be we're talking about new phyrexia like i i said earlier we have done an episode on new phyrexia before but all the info for that episode basically comes from 2011 whereas now it's it's modernized and it's the new storyline is back on new phyrexia so we're kind of talking about the changes that have been made there was that kind of like quest for karn stuff that we went through where he was at the center of like the flesh planet where exactly that yeah so that was mirrodin that was his artificially created planet Right, which okay. he turned into, or which a got turned into, uh, new Phyrexia. I'll I'll give you guys a, a when we get there. I'll give you guys a, a refresher on what exactly happened there. Okay. Uh, to start, I have a quote here from the Planeswalker's Guide to Phyrexia: "All will be one" by Grace Fong. Exult in the glory of Phyrexia. All will be one. Welcome to a plane ruled by the oldest and most terrifying creatures in the multiverse. As we prepare to spread our viral gift to every plane. We are a society of biomechanical creatures who want to achieve an artificial, inorganic vision of perfection. Our parasitic civilization invades and consumes all planes and encounters, expanding its ranks by converting other beings into biomechanical creatures. Our infection, phyresis, is a divine gift. Those who oppose us are misguided or evil and must be shown the error of their ways. <laughs> uh, so the wild way to like market your... <laughs> your machine planet <laughs> yeah, like, right. our parasitic infection is divine any who oppose us are evil like okay uh that's that's crazy i mean it's easy to back yourself up in any type of war or anything yeah. you know you could just it, it, you're justified that's great yeah yeah exactly yeah. mission accomplished just phyrexians giving a press conference in yep. the in the uh the last new phyrexia order we talked about the factions which we're going to talk about less on this episode um, but we're but I can give you guys refreshers kind of as needed, and and I'll have a section that where we're basically going to go through the the spheres of for New Phyrexia, where there's nine spheres, each kind of aspect aspected to different things. Um, but the white aspected, led by Elish Norn, is considered the uh, the dominant um, faction of the Phyrexians right now. Elish Norn is kind of in charge, and the white aspected is kind of the the gonna they're positioning her as like the big boss i guess uh or the big baddie um and she runs something called the uh machine orthodoxy so uh this story and a lot of the stories nowadays are kind of told from her perspective i guess which is that divine gift and everything but the different praetors kind of have different uh different takes on it i i'm gonna share a picture with you guys i was gonna share it at the end uh because we're gonna talk about ellis norn a little bit later um but here's a picture of a Traxa Grand Unifier. Um, and this Whoa. is kind of the, the white aspect, the white aspect of, excuse me, machine orthodoxy kind of vibe, which is like this church of like, we have to spread our divine gift of Phyresis, like becoming a Phyrexian. That's like our, our holy mission, essentially. Saucy would love this one. There's a, a lady with, with like horns, um, like two sets of horns kind of thing. One mm-hmm. that like sit out the side and then 
one that like curled towards the face more like huge wings um spiky thick thighs and um a long tail that kind of splits in the middle and everybody's reaching up to like put their hands close to her yeah exactly they're they're all kind of like worshiping her as divine her this forearmed like angel i guess you could say um yeah. the, the, for anyone listening at home I, I did include sources on all the pictures so this is uh attracts our grand unified unifier by marta nail so uh, yeah, that's well. n-a-e-l uh, she looks very much like the uh main villain or what you think is the main villain at least in the guardians of the galaxy game the like white oh, on yeah. red is a really cool contrast i find yeah yeah and that, honestly, so, i i drew her before she's in one of our thumbnails for new forex that, like, so I that is that. not that is not Elish Norn. That is not the Praetor. That is Atraxa, oh. the Grand Unifier. Um, oh, excuse me. But just to show you kind of how the, uh, what the, um, the machine orthodoxy, their, their kind of aesthetic okay. is like, this is not all Phyrexians. This is the white aligned Phyrexians. Yeah, I remember cool. the white on red, like hammerhead shark kind of. Yeah, exactly. Base plate, basically. Yeah. 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 That's, that's Elish Norn. So um, the Phyrexians originated on an old, old artificially created plane going way way back to our very first magic the gathering episodes uh when the planeswalker yogmoth created them by using a process he called phyresis to save thran humans who were infected with fantasy radiation sickness essentially if you guys right. think way way back uh in the caves of koilos underneath the thran empire there were these power stones uh and there mm. were these um these thran humans who were just like sick and couldn't afford treatment and they went to go live in the caves and Yogmoth ends up going to them treating them with glistening oil and turning them into phyrexians on an unnamed plane right um so i have a, an excerpt here from the the wiki itself Yogmoth gave phyrexian organisms a purpose to thrive to grow beyond the confines of phyrexia and into the rest of the multiverse over hundreds of years phyrexia evolved priests and acolytes who extolled and worshipped Yogmoth, as well as demons and abominations of infinite variety to kill for him over time, a vast social order emerged, a horrifying food chain which, with church-like rites and rituals. Phyrexian organisms were judged by their ability to survive their nightmarish world. Successful ones were evolved with an unspeakable mixture of necrotic tissue and greasy metal. Eventually, Phyrexia created spore engines and plague dreadnoughts, unmanageably huge quasi-living artifact machines designed for war. Um, I love uh, horrifying food chain is a good pairing of words, <laughs> I think. And it does make me yeah, think man. of just like a like the Phyrexian food pyramid and what may be at the top. Of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna want your your fatty human organs like the livers, you know, you're gonna want those in, <laughs> yeah, in like yeah, limited yeah. limited amounts, you know, you want the 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 stringy quad quadricep muscles. Those those are that's good protein. You want that that in abundance. Like yeah, yeah. How many servings of that like of that like dark gray fluid the phyrexian oil the <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay the recommended is one glass a day for the antioxidants okay. and glistening oil. oh yeah all right, all right. for human thigh meat it's better to cut against the grain it's more tender oh god <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a vegetarian all all food chains are kind of horrifying to me these days so yeah what is this pokemon you've posted so no like, I, I wanted to find uh yog moth um but i i obviously spelt it wrong by putting not the A W G. I put Y O G G moth, and okay. it just gave me Yog Saron from WoW as a moth that looks like a Pokemon. As a moth Pokemon, yeah, yeah. Got, like, I was the, trying to the, the caterpillar form, the metapod form, and then the the butterfree form. It's yeah. Cute. Mm -hmm. What is Yog? Who is Yog Moth again? 
So Yagmoth, we've talked about uh, at length, and you don't have to focus on him too much. He created the Phyrexians, but in the uh, first ever like magic storylines, he was the first big bad. Was eventually right. kind of replaced with Nicol Bolas, and now it's kind of now that the Nicol Bolas story has kind of seemingly wrapped a little bit. Uh, which again, we'll do, we'll do, we'll tackle him someday. Uh, I mean, like th this show is just six years of us saying we're going to talk about Nicol Bolas one there's, day. There's, <laughs> too much, there's too much freaking cool magic stuff to get to, to all of it, honestly. Like, we need to do, we need to do, like, an episode a week or something. I don't know. Because we, we, we spend too much of our episodes talking about this Yawgmoth cute Pokemon-looking thing, which is, hey, it's why the people show up. But you got to admit, it takes time. Um, so, yeah. So, Yawgmoth was, uh, he was the first big bad. He created the Phyrexians. Eventually, the good guys defeat him. They, they kill Yawgmoth uh, while on board the Weatherlight. And without their god, the Phyrexians kind of just lose the will to to live, and they don't have the capacity to kind of travel between planes at all. Uh, so the original plane of Phyrexia these days is is nothing but a kind of burnt out ruin, uh, and Yawgmoth is canonically dead, defeated uh, in the canon. So that that's like the origins of him. That was before the last new Phyrexia episode we did, which is what happens to them after that. Even canonically um, fainted, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Blacked out. Yeah, white, yeah. yeah whited. I think it's whited out these days. Oh, whited out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so of course, that's not the end of the Phyrexians, as we obviously know. Uh, everyone's favorite arcane golem, Karn, whom you you mentioned earlier, Peter, uh, would create the plane of Mirden, uh, plane of uh, mathematical per uh, perfection out of uh, art uh, the existing plane Argentum. Um, he creates it with five suns, one for each color. And he leaves a jar of Phyrexian oil out for his housekeeper Memark to find and corrupt himself while Karn is is away, essentially. <laughs> so we we did do a whole episode on yeah, uh, I remember that. on Karn on the creation of of this plane and the corruption of it. Uh, I have another quote uh, from Grace Fong for you guys. Was that part of the Venser thing or Vesner, whatever that guy's name was? Venser was involved. Was involved in the no. Venser was in the. Uh, not the Elspeth ones, but the uh, Corona episodes. I think that's an insidious okay. way to le le leave wrong. out leave out a, a thing of that stuff that corrupts you for the housekeeper. It's like a hundred dollar bill with anthrax. Here's your tip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty pretty much what happened. Uh, yeah. So I have a, I have a quote for you guys. Karn created Mirrodin, an independent metallic plane with five colored suns and multiple unique cultures, but he accidentally left a drop of glistening oil upon the plane's inner core. The oil slowly corrupted the landscape and wildlife from the inside out. Many Mirans turned into Phyrexians, including legendary heroes. The divided Mirren culture succumbed to Phyrexia when it reached the outer layer. Under the influence of Mirren's five colored suns, the Phyrexians manifested into five factions, each led by a different praetor. Each harvested mycosynth to reshape Mirren to fit their vision of perfection, making an internal sphere of their own. Finally, they enclosed the plane's original surface with a new sphere and decorated it with massive, unsettling monuments honoring their victory. Um, so he, he corrupts the plane again. He leaves out, uh, the oil Memnarch, who was kind of his steward, uh, ends up getting infected and the whole plane ends up getting infected. We did a whole, a whole episode on this. Uh, and there was like a whole arc that involved Elspeth where they, um, they're tackling, uh, this, maybe that was, maybe Venser was involved in the, the Elspeth episodes. Um, I just remember drawing Venser with a car battery in Karn's ass on his nipples, basically. And I was just like, I'm pretty sure. There you go. 
Yeah, I'm, I, think, I don't remember. I can remember. And I was just like, <laughs> these two met at some point, and I don't think it was in this way. I remember that art. I could. I don't remember if it was Vencer or not, but yeah, I do remember the art, and that that did happen. He could, I could be getting my wires crossed as well. Um, yeah. Thinking he was <laughs> better not get your wires crossed in that situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he's explicitly trying to shock his own nipples off car, uh, Karin's car battery, but so. Yeah. yeah, if you get your wires crossed, then it won't shock. No well, I guess it still no shocks. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have positive and negative nipples. I guess it works either <laughs> way. <laughs> that you know of. Uh, you never know until you try, Jamie, okay? Honestly, yeah. just, just the alligator clip seems uncomfortable. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably the worst part, frankly. Yeah, so we've done an episode on, on New Phyrexia where we cover the Praetors. We cover, like, Memnarch. Uh, being corrupted and like Karn tried to return to uh, to like fix the situation and before it got out of hand, but Memnarch blocked him from the plane because Memnarch, in his like delusional like half Rexian state, thought Karn was already there, and th- so it's like uh, the classic like you know you're in the space station and you're you're looking at your buddy Ricardo and then you hear a knock at the door and it's Ricardo outside the space station saying like let me in let me in let me in you're just like <laughs> what's going on here. Um, is, is that a classic space station scenario what uh, <laughs> there's there's some uh there's a quote from some nasa astronaut who like after getting back from the iss some interviewer was like hey so like what like do you have any like interesting stories and he basically tells like that as a story oh he had gone crazy briefly he had space madness or whatever no, no not, not like a real story but like he, oh. he was like he's like messing the re- with the reporter oh. and was like, like yeah. brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in that, in that past episode, we covered the Praetors and Praetors and their factions, uh, go back and listen to it. If you guys are, are really, well, we won't drill down on them. I will like brief, briefly introduce them, I guess, uh, on this episode, as well as mainly we're going to be looking at their spheres because they didn't necessarily have the developed spheres by the, the last time we talked about them. I, there were, I believe there was five spheres when we last talked about, uh, Mirrodin, New Phyrexia, and now there is nine, uh, oh. Okay. It's a plane alive in many ways, described as nine spheres, each nested within the other. So I'm going to send you guys a, like a at- Phyrexian Atlas. Uh, the art is by Illustranesia, and it's just called Phyrexian Atlas. But this is like oh. a artist depiction, I guess, of of the nine spheres, if uh, if you guys want to try and describe it. As a Never- nine circle picture, it does look kind of like retro Bible art. So it's on point. Looks really you cool. ever blow a bubble really big and then blow another little bubble inside it and then blow mm-hmm. another little bubble inside it? It's like that, but uh, nine nine times. Nine yeah, times. just looking at it reminds me of like I'm reading uh, Asimov Foundations right now, and they describe this like mechanical planet that they have, and like most people are uncomfortable seeing the sun and the sky because mm-hmm. they live within these layers of layers of layers of of a city, and it really reminds me of that. It, it looks like there's colors to the layers too, like blue, red, green, blue. Yeah. So green, blue, the blue, the yeah. different praetors. So you guys will all see in the in the sky. There's five suns, one for each color, right? Yeah. Uh, and as I as I said before, like the praetors, since they were kind of created under the these suns, they are each aspected to a color, and they have each claimed a layer. Uh, so there's nine. So five of the layers are explicitly run by praetors, and then four of them are just kind of like bonus layers, essentially. Um, I, I find it really looks like, uh, something from like Greek, uh, like it looks like Greek inspired where it's like the, you know, the layers of, uh, Tartarus or, or whatever, you know, uh, Hades, um, kind of different layers of hell or something like that is what Uh, so we're going to start at the top and we're going to go, go down. You guys can keep using that as a reference picture. 
uh, for where we are in, in the progress, but I also have a reference picture for each, each layer. So the first layer is the monumental facade. It's the outermost layer of New Phyrexia. It is a monument to the Phyrexians' hubris in a lot of ways, built by them to show off their unified power as a giant sphere enclosing the entire plane. It is decorated with eldritch monuments, which seem to appear and disappear as at random. Now, the picture I've shared is Monument to Perfection by Igor Kiriluk. Uh, if you guys want, <laughs> want to take a crack at describing that one. Uh, it's fucking crazy. So there is the uh, Polish artist that I, whose name I always forget. It looks kind of like that. He does a lot of like very kind of bony kind of Geiger inspired hellscapes of like churches made of like human bones and skin and whatnot. Uh, like the kind of the distant map in Scorn, if you guys played that. It is a humanoid shape, kind of in the shape, I guess, like a sarcophagus, because it's just like the broad silhouette of a person, like shoulder legs, right? Mm -hmm. But it's got like a keyhole instead of a face, and I don't know how many fucking arms. There are nine. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Eight visible, yeah. Presumably nine, one behind that. We would say nine, yeah. And then it's just like got these hovering orbs that all look like balls of yarn, but if they were made of like candle wax or like skin, I guess. Yep. And then just like this distant this like infinite plane of just white land with these creepy like rectangular pillars as well. And then the like, a sandstorm in the background. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. There's two um, <laughs> suns or moons too. I'm not sure. Well, it's yeah, two pres- of five, right? Presumably yeah. some of the suns. Yeah. 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 No, there's never any talk of moons on Meriden. Just, just uh, suns. All, uh, I guess if you time. had five suns, you'd never have the chance to see a moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not like positive and negative nipples. They don't cancel each other out, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never. Oh, I guess you sometimes see the sun and the moon at the same time. You do never sometimes, mind. Sometimes yeah. see that. I mean, it happens a lot here, right? There's always yeah. a little day moon, right? The moon. The moon's uh-huh. pretty cool because you sometimes see the moon during the day, but you never see the sun at night. Gotta admit. Mm. Um, <laughs> simulation <laughs> slipping <laughs> i remember as a kid being so excited during the day i was like burning leaves with a magnifying glass i was like imagine doing this at night it would be so cool because <laughs> like the fire would look so much better and then go like ha- like getting halfway through the day and be like oh you can't do this. you need the sun yeah yeah <laughs> it's kind of uh in the in the using a magnifying glass to burn stuff the sun's kind of an integral piece of that puzzle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh so <laughs> next up uh, <laughs> next up we have the original outer layer nestled beneath the monumental facade is mirex now no more than a devastated rune there are still those who have not succumbed to the phyrexian plague though cut off from the mana of the suns the mirin survivors are not exactly thriving as they scrape an existence out for themselves so there are still non-phyrexians on the plane uh the picture i sent is the conduit of worlds with art by jokabas wogintas wogintas yeah uh the the fantasy words that you've been uh hitting us with are easier than the names of some of these (laughs) artists for our for our uh for a very canadian tongue essentially um Uh. but yeah you guys i mean so this is the the conduit of worlds it it kind of is got a bit of a yggdrasil vibe to it i'd say yeah yeah, it feels you can feel the ceiling on this world and the floor on like you can tell you're not on the top one anymore. Yeah, like which I, I think is intentional because, again, the, the monumental facade is kind of this like it, it is literally a monument that they built on top of the mm-hmm. original outer layer of Mirex. So I do feel like they probably built the ceiling deliberately low, right, to like oppress the survivors and like like take away that hope from them and be like, yeah, right, you know, yeah. every time they look up, they see the underside of the monument. Right, right. Um, right, yeah so i feel like it's it's probably deliberate but yeah it's like a tree growing upwards but like it could almost 
be argued that the tree's growing downwards because it, it looks like it's rooting in both ways. It looks ways. like a root system, yeah, at the top. Yeah. yeah. Like a tree in Australia yeah. that grows down, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. It looks like there could be like a castle or three off in the distance, or I can't tell if that's just other rocks or something. Um, yeah, I think those are just like uh, pillars of stone or maybe uh, something else. That... Yeah. It could, could be ruins, absolutely, because this used to be a place where, and it is still kind of a place where people live. Right. Yeah. And very uh, green and purple and blue. I don't, I don't know. It's just because I'm an idiot. The uh, little uh, arrow thing that they use as an indicator as to who drew the um, art on the bottom left. Yeah. It looks kind of like a sex toy. A little bit. A little bit butt pluggy. I'll give you yeah, that. A little bit. Or it could, could be like a fountain pen tip. Oh, that's, that's true. What, yeah. I thought it was a shoe with my bad eyes. but Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> seen capsules You're... and shoes. Like, this guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Jamie without glasses, like Mr. Magoo, is just like, goes, to, goes to the sex, goes to a sex shop, comes back with shoes somehow, yeah. <laughs> wearing dildos on his feet. <laughs> I got a just shoe in my bottom. butt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't call it a clog for nothing. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, that might be one of the best jokes we've ever told honestly <laughs> that's got levels um, <laughs> so beneath Mirex is the autonomous furnace I, I love this art because this is uh, peak 80s fantasy art for me this one and the dross pit the uh, the uh, black aligned uh, ring which we'll get to in a sec uh, are oh, just yeah. like peak 80s art this is the home and workplace of the quiet furnace which is a faction under the command of the Praetor Urabrask. Now, in our last episode, you guys will kind of remember that um, the quiet, for the furnace layer is where humans primarily hid out uh, to avoid uh, Phyrexian compilation and being kind of conquered because Urabrask seems to be, um, seems to just like not give a fuck about humans more than any of the other Praetors, essentially. Okay. Um, so he's, he's uh, a heretic. He's the heretic Praetor. Uh, he's been a uh, he has a pretty loose command structure, meaning that this the oldest Phyrexian sphere on the plane often sees clashes between his underbosses. So he doesn't really care about humans. He doesn't really care about what his direct reports are doing. Uh, he's red aligned, so he's very much just like everyone do what feels good whenever you fucking feel like it, and I don't care. This is the the libertarian plane, I guess. He's insane looking. Oh, okay, yeah, he's the the don't tread on me Phyrexian. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. uh, also, shout out to the artist on this one for having the first pronounceable name of all of them, where we have oh. Muhammad Ferdows. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. This is the <laughs> autonomous furnace uh, art by Muhammad Ferdows. There's like a lot of vertical lines in this one. Like, there's a lava coming down. Uh, it looks like like a furnace. Like, yeah, I, it lot. reminds me of Iron Forge because that's what I play with the big furnace. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like all, it's all metal. Uh, and then like the background, you see these kind of like what looks like teeth kind of like descending down from the ceiling. Um, but the metal is all like the, the classic, like overlapping metal plates, I guess, to give it a very like smooth and rounded look, which is what, what just screams like eighties to me. Um, yeah, it's very, uh, ribbed. It's, I guess if you, the, the thing that I'm thinking of right now, if you've seen, uh, Steppenwolf in the justice league movies, the like very yeah. thin, like ribs of metal, that's a, exactly, what he exactly. looks like there. Yeah. yeah. It, it, which, uh, again, yeah, like the very 80s design. <clears throat> so the Hunter Maze is below the Autonomous Furnace and represents the green aspected survival of the fittest sphere. Survival of the fittest sphere is a word. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is led by the Praetor Vorinclex. And so this, this art, more of those trees that look like they have root systems kind of at the top. 
this is a lot the of art sun. Is the Hunter Maze by Elena Danner. It, a lot of sun, yeah, even though it's like, and we've probably talked about this. We probably talked about this the last time too. It, like the concept of these spheres being nestled within each other is a lot like in Greek myth or like other mythoses where it's like, it's probably more symbolic than anything. Like when we talked about um, in the God of War, we talked about the Norse myth, how like Jormungandr is like another realm. It's like one of the nine realms, but it's actually just like the wilderness kind of surrounding civilization and kind of can be fluid and change depending on like which story is being told. Um, right. And it seems like my interpretation of the spheres is, is similar where it's like, yeah, they're like nestled within each other. Somehow how you go between them is like not explicit. And like, you know, um, this place looks like very like trees. Like you said, sun coming down. It's like a really spiky floor, forest floor. Yeah. It seems like the type of place where uh, I wouldn't want to be. It seems like you always have to look over your shoulder because something be hunting you in what's called the hunter maze. Uh, it's the first yeah. one that looks barely livable, though, because then you because if we go up, we do have like the yeah. forge at the center of the world, the whatever the dying tree surrounded by gas clouds, and then just like Utah, it's just like salt basically forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this one at least has just like oh yeah, I mean maybe one of these like twisted trees yeah. bears fruit or something. Yeah, yeah. doesn't look comfortable, but. No. So we'll talk a bit about Vorinclex later. He's he's going to be one of the ones we kind of focus on in this episode. One of the Praetors. He's very cool looking. I've been looking up the Praetors as you've been uh, talking to them. He's he's neat. I want to. Yeah, I, I think I said it before the episode started. I wanted to do it before the uh, before the episode started. I'll share a picture of Vorinclex in a little bit. But his his whole thing is he believes that this like Phyrexian idea of perfection will be achieved through like natural uh, evolution. So he's a, like when I said survival of the fittest, it's literally like he wants everything to run wild and kill everything else all the time because like it'll it'll just like wean out the weak ones right okay cool uh so yeah. you're right jamie this would be a, a not a good place to be it's like it's like an aggro forest that's that's the vibe that's the vibe check <laughs> i find on the hunter maze um the surgical bay below is that's the home the home of none other than Gingataxius. yep once a sea of pure quicksilver uh once the Locals have been complicated. The Praetor drained the sea to create a reservoir of Phyrexian oil. So there's just this like glistening oil all throughout this this sphere. Um, there was these yeah. Mirin research centers, which were sunk down to the surgical bay, which, fun fact, uh, something called the Fathom Wards contains the last known vials of Blinkmoth serum, which once, once filled Mirin's knowledge pool. Uh, Blinkmoth serum is just like a drug, essentially. And okay. uh, the last of it is, is here. The last known... Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had to worry about mercury in our fish with our normal water. Imagine yeah, exactly. seas of quicksilver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we got we got some fish in our mercury. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stay safe, Ohio. All the yeah. mercury washing up on the riverbank, dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the art for this one is uh, the Surgical Bay by Sarah Finnegan. Um, also pretty eighties inspired, uh, more sci fi than fantasy, I'd say where it's like you you get these like bulbous domes of what looks like quicksilver and like there's kind of like these robotic eyes like everywhere kind of like peering out at you. Yeah, um, there's like this, the robotic sphere eyes are all hanging off kind of dopey looking springs, which is a neat kind of contrast between the it looks like metal fire, like with like a, a pearl in it. Is yeah, what buildings look like. Uh, and then and, and then, yeah, there's fire. like these little like spheres with a bright blue eye in the middle on like little spring arms. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. if they would like. In my head, they would like f watch you, kind of like as you walk past, right? Like they would. Yeah, that'd be a little. There's a little door really entrance on the left side. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen somewhere where anyone could live. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, rent in the surgical need- bay is ridiculous, though. You, it's much, much safer in the in the conduit of worlds. <laughs> uh, yeah, my quicksilver pressure is awful in the shower too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't flush the oil while I'm showering. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to flush a clog. You're just like freezing upstairs in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Next, uh, we have a land of eternal conflict. We have the home of the seven steel thanes known as the Dross Pits. So again, one of the factions, the Black Line faction, currently headed by Shieldred, the Whispering One, uh, is is called the seven steel thanes. Uh, I have a quote for you guys from Grace Fong to kind of describe it a little bit. Thane Roxith began the project, naming his sphere the Flesh Lair, Oh, but Thane Shieldred, <laughs> Thane, Thane Shieldred tricked him and claimed it for herself. Since then, the other remaining Thanes have moved in, established their own strongholds, and restarted their war games. They regularly send armed battalions against each other, but no one has deposed Shieldred yet. So this is the other one that I said is very 80s uh, sci- uh, fantasy looking. Oh, yeah. uh, this is straight up anything that has the legion burning crusade yeah. for for wow it's all like green liquid like the fell liquid or whatever uh like this the structures almost look like they have ribs yeah it's like, uh, like it's like like blackened flesh structures is, is yeah the yeah uh, Black and the, green. Art, the art is the dross pits and it's by martin de diego sadaba um, children's very normal looking as far as some of these guys go because she is just like the upper half of a lady with kind of like a horned helmet on and sh- admittedly her bottom half is just like a crab body with a huge mouth but she yeah. looks much more normal <laughs> than some of the more like like chrome monsters that the that yeah or like Vor- also- Vorinclex this like like a bunch of bodies stuffed together with like bone and metal sticking out and <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah, she's very. Uh, she's like if 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 she rocked up, she, she they put her in a movie because it would be easier to like CGI out CGI out the lower half of the actress's body, right? Instead yeah, of having exactly. like a full CG metal monster. Well, it's like, funny. You, it's funny you say that because in the in this first arc, at least we she, she gets the um she gets the prime uh uh job placement essentially where she's going to go to Dominaria. She goes to the if they're they're going to make a movie, it's going to focus on Dominaria, not Kaldheim where Vorinclex goes. You know. Oh, okay. uh, so uh, the last of the mana aspect aspected spheres uh, and indicative of the Phyrexian hierarchy, the fair basilica rests beneath the dross pits. So while you guys take this picture in, I have another quote from Grace Fong. After declaring herself the dominant praetor of all of Phyrexia, Elish Norn claimed the prime location for the machine orthodoxy. Her realm surrounds Mirrodin's mycosynth growth. Controlling a crucial material for building new spheres ensured Norn retained power over the other praetors. Every aspect of the Fair Basilica was designed as a symbolic testament to Norn, helping her consolidate her rule over all Phyrexians. Uh, so the art is the Fair Basilica. The, the uh, artist is Mark Simonetti. You guys want to take a crack at describing this one? It's the same yeah, colors as Atraxa. Yeah, this is the this is machine orthodoxy. This is Atraxa's vibe. All the all the white Phyrexians have this look to them. I like her art and her theme a lot because, uh, again, I when we did New Phyrexia, I had to choose one of them to put in and I chose her because she is just like basically what looks like a she's a, a human woman, like very normal looking, except she's been like completely skinned. It's like all exposed yeah. muscle and blood. And yeah. like she like her modesty is like her chest and body and her face are covered in like what looks like porcelain or like this like ivory plates, basically. Yeah. And it's like the like com- completely clean white and the bloody red is like such a cool contrast and her yeah, building nice here looks 
I don't know, it's like a fucking diamond with like horns on it. And it's all kind of like these little slots inside of it. Uh, and it's yep. all red on the inside. And there's these weird green plants uh, kind of around it as well. Yeah, it kind of looks like cheese with like cranberry sauce in the middle. Uh, uh, yeah. You know. And there's <laughs> like, like somebody... spires out in the background that look like drill bits. Yeah, yeah. those are asparagus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. okay, yeah. Cheese and asparagus. Uh, <laughs> the center of the planet, your pee smells funny all the time. Yeah, El- <laughs> Eleanor is great to 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 draw. I mean, she's uh, she is the girl boss for Exian, right? So, oh. um, she's got the, her... the skinned the skin and ivory pantsuit, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, so, if Hillary Clinton was in this, right? Oh, I didn't I didn't save a picture of this next one for you guys, but I'll take one real quick. Um, so the it's quickly planes walking to take a photo and uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the pen penultimate layer uh, of New Phyrexia is the Mycosynth Guardian Gardens, which I just mentioned. Uh, this was once the original core of Mirrodin. It is devoid of all life except for the strange fungal is- organism known as the Mycosynth, which has the ability to change metal into flesh and vice versa. I mentioned okay. it earlier this episode. This is an integral resource in compilation and in transforming the plane, and like I just said, kind of transforming new spheres. Uh, this was once like where Memnarch lived essentially and him walking around seemed to trigger this mycosynth growth growth, which allowed the Frexians to kind of take over. Um, this sphere is off limits to anyone who does not have the explicit blessing of Elish Norn. So again, she put her sphere right outside of this one, uh, like to control it and who could go and in. It's charging you have, mission now, basically. Yeah, you have, you have to, yeah, exactly. Uh, she gets like, like, everyone hooked on the mycosynth and then she charges you to buy it. <laughs> there's like blue mesh everywhere kind of in the same pattern of the trees from before where it kind of roots to the ground and to the ceiling and then there's these probing like metal hands like doc ox uh hands kind of yeah, thing okay. but yeah. they're, they're going into the the plane it's- and they're almost resting waiting to trap something like those big ass squid at the bottom of the ocean and- yeah uh yeah. you'll notice it is it is the asparagus from the the machine orthodoxy picture as well Oh, okay. like those those yeah. Doc Ock arms, and and that's yeah. indicative of like her fair basilica has like access to the mycosynth just like that. You can okay. almost like you could almost just bend off the the bridge and like pluck a mycosynth, snap Dude. off a good uh, mycosynth spear. And yeah, snap into a slim jim. <laughs> snap into a slim jim, and honestly, mycosynth mycosynth might might be uh, healthier for your body than, than whatever the fuck goes into a slim jim. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to, to, to be fair, if it was just like a, a tentacle that turned my body into metal, I would rather do that than eat dollar <laughs> store pepperoni. <laughs> I don't think yeah. slim jims are pepperoni. I think they're... Is like, it not? I think I think it's like fake pepperoni, where it's like pepperoni is like, there's an explicit way to do it and to label yourself as pepperoni, you have to do certain things. But I think slim jim is like the hot dog of pepperoni where it's like shredded meat <laughs> that's treated some way uh but it's i don't like know jerk- I'm, I'm talking i'm talking on my ass right now it's like jerky had- tm right like it's salted meats yeah. that yeah. that last forever i don't know like a corner store snack i liked as a kid was like the little pepperoni stick that comes in like a blue pack it it uh, it like peels off hot rod. basically you you had a pepperoni stick at my place one time and you bought it at that depth that i'm sure it was like sitting there for two years before you bought it and you took one bite out of it like before the podcast you're like no i'm not gonna eat this (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember that at all (laughs) when i I ate meat i was a big fan of pepperoni sticks and uh and jerky um okay so we've gotten past the jerky forest um (laughs) the jerky forest new new, new jerky (laughs) Yeah, New Mycosynth Gardens, also known as New Joy, New Jerky. <laughs> uh, I can't write titles down this fast, guys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we've reached the end of our journey to the center of the earth. We've arrived at the seed core. Now I have a picture for this one. I'm not going to share it with you guys yet. We're going to talk about okay. we're, I'll show you the picture a little bit later. Uh, Cause we're going to talk about what it is and how it's created. And it's going to, it's going to involve something called realm breaker, which I believe the picture shows, which does not exist in our, in our uh, story yet. So okay. uh, the seed core was once the home of Memnarch within the mycosynth gardens. He had this like, uh, he had a house that he built, which he basically called the Panopticon. Um, he lived. Oh, at, all that. Good. He, yeah, he lived there. At some point after Memnarch's death, Elish Norn came up with a plan for the Seed Core. Uh, this was also uh, Karn's throne for a while when he kind of lived here as well. Um, and Elish Norn sees this like abandoned Panopticon with this throne to a planeswalker and and comes up with an idea uh, for it. Uh, the plan was born on an unfamiliar emotion for a Phyrexian, who are notoriously emotionless creatures, particularly the white-aspected ones. Uh, Elish Norn, for the first time in living memory, had a nightmare. Uh, with the unpleasant taste of fear still in her mouth, she turned to outside forces for help. So, around the same time, we have another classic MTG character who, who Jamie brought up, Tezzeret who is looking for a way to contain the planar bridge he has lodged in his chest. And we've kind of talked about this before, that he has like incorporated this piece of machinery into the center of his chest, but it is too powerful and it is it it destroys organic material. So it's kind of like like you know eroding some of his body. Uh, so he gets in touch with the Phyrexians, who hey, if anybody knows how to contain a machine within my flesh, it's going to be them, right? Yeah. Uh, Elish Norn strikes a deal with him. The Phyrexians would give him an indestructible dark steel body in exchange for his services and for some use of the planar bridge. So. Um, reminders from our recent episodes as well as the beginning of this episode honestly uh the phyrexians are largely incapable of planar travel hence them relying on the planar bridge and the planar bridge is only capable of transporting inorganic material meaning it was only the machine parts of a phyrexian which could be transported the rest would be destroyed so elish norn ordered her fellow praetorians out into the multiverse we know that jingataxius ended up in kamigawa but in addition to that vorinclex the green aspected praetor wound up on kaldheim and Shieldred, the black-aspected Praetor, wound up on Dominaria. Okay. So uh, we're going to talk about Kaldheim on this episode. I would love to do the Dominaria arc in the future, so we're not going to talk about Shieldred too, too much. Um, what we do know, uh, Jingataxius, we know, used the technology of Kamigawa to develop technology to complicate Planeswalkers using the reality chip that he found there. Kaldheim. Uh, where Vorinclex is going to go and where we're going to visit is the Viking-inspired plane. So I, I didn't want to drill like too it. much. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to drill too much on the lore and the story because we just did the God of War episodes. I feel like we've covered most of the interesting bits of North mythology. Yeah. Uh, while it does not have the technology of Kawa, it does have a little something called the World Tree. Which, uh, if you listen to our God of War episode, you might know the World Tree is useful for accessing different planes or <laughs> different realms, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's cool that he's in the Viking realm because when I googled it, Vorinclex looks like kind of a flayed bear but has like bone shields on his shoulders and is just like a skull um yep. which is pretty cool I, I go, a, a little bit of it's like a bear kind of mixed with body horror a bit uh i guess a reference would be like the bear from annihilation if you guys have watched the natalie portman movie i think I you should. Movie. I read bear. <clears throat> yeah so annihilation um in the movie it's like the bear has like it's the skin is all flayed off its face and one of the ladies that it kills is like fused to it so it's also got a human skull on the side it's very uh it's a great movie uh which i think uh listeners you should go watch actually should, watch. We, should i watch cocaine bear you should watch annihilation first or else you won't okay. understand cocaine, won't understand bear. cocaine okay, bear. okay okay i mean <laughs> i i 
read the uh, Area X trilogy because uh, Annihilation is the first in the trilogy. And yeah. uh, I don't know how true the movies are, but it, <laughs> I'd be surprised if you didn't leave it having some questions. <laughs> and, uh, it's and not very bizarre. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's very... Uh, and like um, Jeff Vandermeer's other books too, like Born and stuff, it's very, uh, very surreal and trippy kind of yeah. uh, storytelling, I find. As, uh, alternately, the the last Praetor, or not the last Praetor that we're going to follow, because uh, people paying close attention will notice that there's one that we're not talking about right now. But uh, Dominaria, focal point for magic in the multiverse, has not only one of the densest concentrations of planewalkers who might oppose the Phyrexians, but it also has an ancient artifact known as the Silex, which... That um, sounds familiar. Yeah, That's we should know that. that. Before. We, we, should, it. we should know that. Go back to our, our very first episodes on the Brothers War. Uh, right, so okay. the war between Urza and, and uh, Mishra ends when the Silex blast essentially goes off like an, uh, a magic nuke. Right. Um, but we'll talk more about the uh, different planes, specifically called I'm after the break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Vorinclex rules the vicious swarm as its apex predator. Although he is relatively intelligent, he prefers making decisions with primal instinct and solves issues with brute strength and sharp fangs. So far, he has successfully maintained his dominance in the Grand Evolution by defeating any challengers and feeding on their bodies to strengthen himself. So uh, that's a, a, another quote from Grace Fong uh, about Vorinclex. I'll, I'll paste a picture of him for you guys. This is Green Sun's Twilight uh, by Yong oh, Hao Han, uh, which I think cool. is just a very, very cool picture of him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys want to describe it for the listeners at home? Well, someone spent the $200 on the big Warhammer piece in the back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Very turned looking, I'll say. Yeah. Pete, you uh, can go for it. Uh, oh, yeah. I thought you were going to go with that one. Yeah, uh, I mean, he looks less like a bear now. He kind of looks like he has more of like a dinosaur skull, but he still has the, I don't know, kind of like skin and bones forearms. I think, does he have three legs? Because the, the bottom half of him, he either looks like the tornado from the Hercules Disney movie or is just like a one foot in the background. But yeah, just like spikes and bone. They kind of look kind of dry. This is a very specific reference because I used to live in northern Canada. Uh, bones that are exposed to the elements for a long time get a, live very flaky. He looks like he's been like out in the wild. Um... And like kind of decaying slowly, very kind of like dusty, flaky bone texture. And yeah, two big fucking arms and like a reptile skull. And then in front of him look like, I mean, they look like Necrons. 
not to ref- just refer to some other thing. Like if yeah. you like try to describe this to the most normal person on the on the planet, and like there's was, a bunch of like tiny little, little little guys like him. Like in the kind scale of the- is yeah. insane though. Like this guy's like on the horizon. Like he's the farthest away, and he's yeah. by and far like the biggest thing. Like there's even like pillars of stone nearby him, which he like makes look small. Yeah, um, he seems to be on the monument plane because he's like you can see the suns here. Uh so he seems mm-hmm. to be on the plane of monuments like with his yeah. followers. Uh and yeah he just he just stands like uh, dozens if not hundreds of feet tall. There's another yeah. like giant rock structure that has like a line cut through it and a big hole, like kind of like a time telling device almost as if like the sun would pass through it because yeah. there's like, a circle uh, in the middle and the two like kind of stonehenge pillars on the sides there. Yeah. Looks like a halo sword. Yeah it does actually yeah, it sure. does look like the energy sword. Yeah. Uh, so Vorinclex, uh, the green praetor, having these the very simple base desires uh, and being pretty explicitly against complex thought, was probably the easiest of the praetors for Elishnorn to sway to her will. Right. I like the fact that he uh, is intelligent enough to think clearly, but his philosophy is like, no, what would a bear do? He's he's returned to monkey. That's, he is. Yeah. That's his philosophy. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah, and he, he basically <laughs> recognizes that Ellis Norton is stronger than him, so he's like, well, she's the boss then, right? Like, like I can't kill her, so she's in charge. Um, okay, so he's the Joe Rogan. He, he is the Joe Rogan yeah. of, the, of, the, of the Praetors, where he is just like, no, strong tribe win. I guess, yeah. Um, so Ellis Norton's will right now uh, that he is swayed to is that Vorinclex go to Kaldheim and begin complication efforts of the plane and to just generally destabilize the reason, re- region. Okay. Uh, so he's sent by Tezzeret. Uh, the planar bridge destroys all the organic parts of Vorinclex's body, uh, which is problematic because he's probably the fleshiest of the Praetors. Um, after the journey, he did not have enough strength to complete his task. Uh, instead, his metal and bone was left rotting on the forest floor. He basically like, didn't, didn't have enough strength to even stand after uh, crossing the planar bridge. Now, if I recall, the Phyrexians can't really die, right? Because I know uh, Jin Gitaxis gets, like, cut in the middle, like, vertically during uh, Neon Dynasty or whatever, and is just, like, back later, right? They can rebuild? Yeah, they 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 basically can just, like, uh, take over flesh and, like, make it part of their bodies, which is what happens here. So he's, he's a, a pile of bone and metal on the forest floor when eventually an unlucky stag comes across his body, sniffs it, and like that's enough organic material for him to kind of kickstart his evolutionary rebuild. Cool. So he just like it, like it just touches him, and he manages to like convert its flesh to his. And that now he spends like a lot of time just in the forest of Kaldheim as this like predator, just like killing other creatures and compliating and creating more Phyrexians in the forest, and just making himself stronger in the process. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Doctor Fauci said that we shouldn't let stags sniff us and let any. <laughs> <laughs> But he did, and now look what we're stuck with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so once Vorinclex was strong enough, he started starts to make some trouble. Uh, so once he's like kind of kind of strengthened himself up and absorbed enough other creature crews, when he's uh, juiced on like five deer, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once he's <laughs> once he's sniffed five other deers, um, he he comes across the the, the planeswalker. Tibalt? Dr. Fauci just sweating, just watching him smell deer, like, no! <laughs> uh, just, like, a, a deer with a mask, like, sniffing this, like, pile of bones and metal, and the pile of bones and metal, like, oh, dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so once he's strong enough, he, he meets this planeswalker, Tybalt. We talked very briefly about 
Tybalt during the Innistrad episodes where Soren ends up leaving his home plane of Innistrad to chase Tybalt for a while, which leads to all these all these troubles and hijinks uh, with like his the angel that he creates essentially because she doesn't have dad around to to watch her. Um, better be Tybalt, one of our patrons. Dab dab. Yeah. <laughs> now the uh, this story. Uh, Tybalt was specifically the story of Tybalt was requested in the the lore request channel. I'm sorry for not remembering who who specifically requested it, but um, I probably won't do it for the reasons that I, I just mentioned, where it's call time and I'm I'm less interested in doing the Norse lore right now, and I, I think I'd rather just move on to other things. But uh, the Norse lore, I did read some of the stories we've been doing this episode, and like it does, it is kind of told from the uh, as though it was like a storyteller in Kaldheim telling the legends of of these people and tybalt kind of seems to play a uh like a role of loki in their uh in their mythos where he's like this trickster who's going around and deceiving everybody because um because he's a he's a planeswalker so he's, he's very powerful he was set on this mission by vorinclex to disrupt the plane because vorinclex quote infected him with a seed which again is is a quote from like this storyteller telling this like folklore so whatever that means we don't know it seems like he was infected with phyresis but vorinclex wouldn't know how to complicate a planeswalker yet so it's pretty unclear um either way he says like he infects tybalt promises the him the antidote if tybalt serves him some trouble tybalt's like a little shit so wanted to be stirring trouble up on the plane anyway right uh just to rattle off some of some of Tybalt's uh, accomplishments, he imprisons a god in magical chains. He starts a war between giants and trolls. He lies about the return of a demonic lord, causing a mild satanic panic. Uh, he's just generally doing a good job being a thorn in the side of order and just kind of going around like sowing dissent and distraction. Uh, he just across, like, like across poisons people with misinformation, basically. Yeah, exactly. He just goes around and there, there's like some of those like uh, Norse style... Um, murals like you see in god of war uh, sorry to keep referencing god of war when we're talking about norse mythology <laughs> last we, week yeah <laughs> we just did the episode and I, I did a lot of research on it but in god of war you get like the the jotun murals or whatever that have like the depictions yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of art in that style that shows him and he is like a, a tiefling from D. he's like he's got horns he's a devilish looking figure um and like it shows him like depicted in those styles as kind of this like usurper or teller of lies right it's uh, funny he influenced the exact reference I wanted to use too. It's just like for those at home who can't see him, he's a D and D tiefling or very classic, like kind of twinky red devil businessman, like horns, yeah. goatee, very slim guy, popped collar. He or influenced a bunch collar, of I guess. Uh, elections <laughs> through targeted ads. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. He yeah. Uh, classic Facebook guy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he hangs out with Hillary Clinton at pizza places. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. devil. Her, um, her, pa- her pantsuit made of like ivory and human flesh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you can walk through planes, but you can't get through the pizza gate. <laughs> yeah, Phyrexians can't cross the pizza gate. That's it. She doesn't organic material. <laughs> uh, so Vorinclex uses this distraction that Tybalt has kind of stirred up to invade the realm of Essica, the god of the world tree in the Kaldheim mythos. Uh, okay. Vorinclex uh, mauls the goddess and as she lays dying she watches vorinclex take a sample of world tree sap before he disappears back into a portal uh so i have an excerpt from the story the brothers war chapter three by reinhardt suarez 
great name. Holy fuck. Why isn't that guy a patron? I know. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the exact same thought when I Reinhardt Suarez. I was like, damn, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> Tezzeret remembered standing in Elishnorn's throne room in the fair Basilica when she signaled him to open a portal to Kaldheim. The energy matrix of the planar bridge burst from his chest, bathing his body in a vortex of electric fire. Spilling out of the red portal was the scalding hot endoskeleton of Vorinclex, one claw scraping the floor and the other clutching a bottle, which one of Elishnorn's aspirants carried away. That bottle, it must have contained the essence of Kaldheim's world tree, and now the Phyrexians had their own. Realmbreaker. This was his doing. He was directly responsible. Oh, um, this is... Uh, during these stories, we kind of get Tezzeret realizing he might be in over his head <laughs> dealing with these Phyrexians yeah, and dealing with Elishnorn so much. Um, so this is Realmbreaker, Realmbreaker excuse me, that I, I referenced before. This drop of sap, which Vorinclex returned, was used to create, create it. Uh, and he created it at the Seed Core, the very, very center of New Phyrexia's power and former home of Memnarch and Throne of Karn. Uh, the Realm Breaker is much like the World Tree of Norse Myth, which connects the realms, though Realm Breaker has some extra oomph. And now I've, I've uh, posted a picture of you guys of the Seed Core uh, with art by Cassia Kafis Zielinska. Yeah, that's pretty crazy looking. So it's got the uh, mechanical asparagus we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. but otherwise it is just like a like a star, like a ball of light, and it is completely there's like just mechanical tentacles or roots, I guess in this case, just twisted around the entire thing, and then there's whatever like evil fog just spilling out of it on both ends. The mechanical yeah. parts are like this time, especially when you get closer to that core, it, it looks a lot more like veins or something like that. Like it reminds me of like when someone. Have you seen when people like cough up like their entire like bronchial vein system of like uh, I've seen somebody cough it up, but I've seen lungs before. I, I get what you're getting at. I've just never seen anybody yeah, cough like, up. Yeah, like ridges, right? On your like trachea, like you can feel them in your neck. Mm -hmm. Well, no, like um so it's like Oh, <laughs> wait. I, I I don't even know if you guys want to see this. I don't. Uh, I'm not a live leak kind of guy. Yeah, I, I still eat meat, no, but I'm not much of a live leak guy. It's, it's fucking... <laughs> like people like uh, cough up like the entire vein system. But like it looks like a blood clot of of like all those like trees in their lungs. I have pictures of it here. It's not that bad, but anyways, I won't show you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for yeah. dodging. Uh, it, it looks a lot like like this picture we're looking yeah, at. Though. That I, I can I can see the vibe that you're going for. for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so I have an excerpt here, another quote. There's going to be the second half here is going to be a little quote heavy, guys. Apologize for that. But uh, I have an excerpt from the Brothers War chapter one. Uh, so we're jumping back by uh, still by Reinhardt uh, Suarez. If the Phyrexians had somehow replicated or repurposed Kaldheim's world tree, it could conceivably join every plane in the multiverse. With it in place, the Phyrexians could be anywhere at any time at the speed of thought. They didn't just have to worry about secret infiltrations like on Dominaria. The Phyrexians could march their armies in directly. Um, so the, the world tree on Kaldheim connects the realms of Kaldheim. So Kaldheim is a plane and much like Norse myth, it seems to have like the nine realms, but all within that one plane. So the world tree allows travel between the realms, but not the planes. Um, but the Phyrexians here, uh, uh at Karn's old seat of power seem to have, uh, developed a way to connect all the planes, uh, what? in the same way that the, the world tree did the realms. Was Elspeth the white-aligned planeswalker we covered? Wasn't her realm eventually getting invaded by Phyrexians, or was that Nicol Bolas? 
So uh, the order uh, with all the angels, kind of Elspeth came from the Phyrexian thing. She was like a prisoner not, there. Yeah, right? not not it wasn't the plane of Phyrexia. It was a, a an unnamed plane which was conquered by Phyrexians. Yeah, she uh, escaped. Yeah, she like she when she was born, she like was born in like the dystopian, like unplugged from the Matrix, essentially right, 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 future. Yeah um where they were kind of like living in fear all the time and she her planeswalker spark eventually kicked off and she just like traveled and she ended up on oh my god the fractured plane, the plane of order well right, okay alara she ended up on alara which was all the colors but she ended up right. on the shard of alara which was like all the they'd all like fractured off and then slowly they right. were merging which was causing problems and wars and stuff like that yeah okay right. we have a whole we have a whole arc on elspeth Sorry, um, like, Jamie and I now are just like connecting the memories of the forty Magic the Gathering. No, it, 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 just it, like oh, it's it, all relevant. You know, honest, honestly, you guys get like bonus points because like Elspeth is the probably the main protag of the story these days, and she's like the main person fighting against the Phyrexians, right? Because uh, she she has a, a an immense distaste for them, and like where we last left her, she was just about to go to um, Theros, the Greek mythology one. I said I'd maybe do okay, some yeah. episodes on her time there. I don't think we ever did. I did cover Theros, but not specifically mm-hmm. her story there. Yeah, the um, goat guy you covered? Yeah, exactly. Funny. We did uh, Elspeth like four years ago at this point. It was I remember I was in Mexico for the end of those, which was August 2019. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's why like, I wasn't on some of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long... Yeah, I think like part three or something you missed. It was the one where they go in the arena. Or no, that's someone else. That's, no, that was, uh, so you're else. thinking of you're thinking of yeah, Corona and and that was I think when you were in Mexico. Yeah, okay. Um, Elspeth, I, it was more recent. I think not. It was a part three of something. I remember that. Yeah, that beat, I, it was. was I am totally blanking on who turns into Corona, false god. But uh, somebody. Oh, does. thrice touched. It was the Elspeth. guy's sister. Uh, the guy's sister turns into her, wasn't right? Yeah. The guy says if that fucking helps anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, we meet the guy who found the Marari, and he shows up. And then there's yeah, exactly. What's his name? Uh, a Johnny's in the crowd too. Maybe. It's yeah, he was. Yeah, there's there's like a chroma. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we did t- we did talk about uh, about whoever that was at some point, and the name. Just to remember things we've already done. Sorry. As, as, <laughs> as soon as we as soon as we hit stop recording, the, the name will come to me. I, I swear. It's of course, naturally. Um, so while Vorinclex was busy in call time. You'll recall what I, I mentioned earlier. Sjoldred had been sent to Dominaria. She was sent to disrupt the plane, to gather as many artifacts as possible, and to sow discord. Uh, she arrives in the caves of Koilos, where once upon a time, people of the Thran Empire had huddled for shelter, only to be overexposed to power stones and become sick with phthysis until a charismatic Yogmoth showed up to promise them salvation and turn them into Phyrexians. We have this nice <laughs> little like cyclical uh, return return to where we started. Much like her fellow Praetors, the journey through the Blind Attorneys took its toll, and Shieldred was fortunate that someone who found her would be a member of the Society of Mishra, a secret cult of Phyrexian worshippers within the Talarian Academy. Um, I said it just before, the story of Shieldred's time on Dominaria warrants its own telling, uh, so I'm, I'm going to kind of save that story for potentially later. Um, not sure when, but uh, we'll come back to that one. Cool. The clever listener may have realized that we are missing a Praetor, do you guys know which one? Come on, you can figure it out. Uh, Urbrask. So oh, Urbrask, oh, Urbrask has, we haven't really talked about much during like <laughs> this, like Elish Norn's grand plants. Uh, aligned. I was trying to think of color, and I was just like, yeah, the red, like, the red one, like catching yeah. on my fingers, like blue, red, green, <laughs> black, white, and I was like, ah, oh, damn, what's the other magic card? 
Black? No, you said black, white, red. I can't green. even think of it now. It's green. It's green that you're missing, but it is the red one that we're talking about. So I guess I you did the think... grizzly bear guy was the fucking green one. Yeah, he's green. Yeah, so it's red that we're missing. You just said the color red. I thought you were. Oh, you oh, didn't say the color sorry. green. Uh, uh, so Urubrask, aligned as he is with the color of emotion and freedom, red, was always at odds with Elishnorn, uh, who was aligned with the colors of order and control. Right? She's oh, very I much this like this guy already. This guy's fucking insane looking. Yeah. Yeah, everything in its place, like let's structure and all that. Uh, whereas he is very much like, nah, fuck it all the time, like whatever, you know. He takes his let's... clothes straight out of the dryer. He's wild. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he never fell in line with the White Praetor's order and is indeed a rogue faction within the Phyrexians. During the initial invasion of Mirrodin, Urbrast did not actively destroy the native Mirans, letting them hide in the Furnace Lair because, again, he didn't care. His distaste for all the other Praetors even led him to sealing off the Furnace Lair. Because he just didn't want them mm. interfering with like what he was doing, uh, which inadvertently helped the Mirans avoid compilation while they were there. Because they were like, "Oh, yeah. shit, this, guy, this guy locked the door," you know. Like, honestly, he like, mind us being here. Furnace layer kind of needs good ventilation. You wouldn't want to seal that off. <laughs> it's gonna get pretty dang hot in there, right? <laughs> He's very. Uh, I said this about um, the spider lady whose name escapes me at the moment. The black children, one. children. Um, yeah, I knew it was close to Shelob was the link I made yeah. in my head. Um, Urbrask is super normal looking. He kind of just looks like a mechanical kind of like he looks like kind of a crocodile with longer arms just made of like chrome metal. And there's like fire inside of him, like super, super not like if you look at Jin Gitaxis, who's like a twisted metal, like kind of in a shrimp shape sort of thing. He's a monster. Yeah, I'm and not, then the I'm other ladies sure. like skinless people. I'm not sure which picture you're looking at. This is like the classic Urbrask picture. Uh, this is the one like, I was looking at. Yeah, an old like, printing of him. I find he's very um, predator, not predator, yeah. but alien. I was yeah, saying, yeah like, uh, like the alien. xenomorph. Yeah, he yeah. was very yeah. xenomorph, like just metal plates instead of like the Titan. like the black chitin. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I haven't most... seen predator or alien. So <laughs> <for fiction>. What? <laughs> no, you got it in two. You got it in two, dude. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Jamie just guessing what the predator looks like. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know what it looks like, sort of. Or I mean, I don't know which one's which, but I know what they kind of look like through uh, just pop Pred culture. Predator has dreadlocks. Yeah, right. Um, and like uh, the four little things. I, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. So for the most part, most part, excuse me, Urbrask was ignored, except for Jin Gitaxius, who was paranoid about the ceiling off of the autonomous furnace. Um, but not too much really came out of it. They Elish Norn never, I guess, explicitly up till now uh, has like made moves against him. And, and likewise, once Norn, however, had secured herself as goth mommy Phyrexian Dami, Urbrask mm. ends up syncing up with Tezzeret, and they both realized they weren't exactly comfortable with Elish Norn's level of clout these days. Um, so again, I, I kind of mentioned Tezzeret's kind of realizing like he might be in a little bit over his head here, and he ends up meeting up with Urbrask, who's also like, yeah, I, I don't like her either so maybe we can kind of maybe we can kind of work on something you know yeah so tezzeret sends urbrask to new capenna which is the uh the gangster plane uh it's like the <laughs> it's all like mafioso and like uh, uh we've, we've talked about it before but like as the planes as storytelling devices are very uh monolithic in that they're like this is the the Jap japan uh cyberpunk and like there's no other themes or motifs Right in right, that in yeah. that plane, there's no like Western cyberpunk in the Kamigawa plane because it's Japan, and this is just like New Capenna is just the the mafioso. Like there's all these crime bosses and, and okay. everything like that. When um, you said gangster plane, because he's a legitimate businessman. 
He said gangster plane. I pictured this kind of stuff, you know? Okay. Like SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants holding a wad of cash with a uh, a tiny little like pencil mustache curved up and just like a lot of diamonds and like a green suit with a green fedora. Yeah, I had a a shirt like that uh, when I was in high school, and I always thought SpongeBob looked much better as a gangster. But uh. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> fair. Um, so he's on the legitimate business plane now. Yeah, right? he's on the legitimate yes. business plane. While yes. there, Urbrask meets with a planeswalker named Vivian Reed. Vivian is the last survivor oh, we know of her. of her own home plane. Do we? I don't think we've ever talked about Vivian. Um, no? Okay. I don't think Sounds so. Sounds like a familiar name. Uh, Vivian it's a very is the, normal name. You might just know yeah. a real woman named Vivian Reed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vivian is the last survivor of her home plane of Scala, a plane where advocates of progress and guardians of nature failed to find balance. So like her home plane just got ruined by capitalism and she's the last survivor, like the last survivor because she's a planeswalker. Um, now happens. she travels the multiverse trying to find <laughs> aid in that balance, which is, uh, which is what brings her to New Capenna. She realizes, though, that like New Capenna, it's like there's this like glorious city in the center and then it's just like all desert wastes outside of it. Uh, and all the plants are like fake or, or whatever. So she's like, oh, like they're real they're New not- Jersey, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's disappointed in how little balance there is here. But she does meet Tezzeret, who takes her to meet a- an Urabrask severely wounded by the journey across the Planar Bridge. Okay, is he in the back of like the the like the butcher shop that Tony Soprano runs, where he's just yeah, like, yeah. "Hey, we got a Vito brought out a new guy. He's got to come in here. It's just uh, he's some kind of machine, basically. Yeah. <laughs> just a, a pile of a pile of uh, slag, yeah. essentially." I found a picture of me with the the SpongeBob shirt back good, in the day. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, playing bass too. Oh, yeah. Babies. Look at the fucking like braces and all curly ass little fro on the kid behind you. That's Ryan McGuff. Yeah. 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 And uh, Matt. And yeah, those those were the days. Those were the high school days. (laughs) (laughs) I got a quote for you guys from The Side of Freedom by Elise Kova, which kind of tells the story of New Capenna. Why would you be working against New Phyrexia? Vivian focused on Urbrask. She could understand why Tezzeret, an underling, a non-Phyrexian auxiliary, might work against Elish Norn, but a Phyrexian praetor? Urbrask struggled to sit more upright, as if trying to gain some of the height and ferocity lost from whatever cruelty had been so clearly suffered. Just what had happened to Unaphyrexian so badly? Elish Norn has dominated all of New Phyrexia. Jingataxius, Vorinclex, and many of the Black Thanes have pledged themselves and their spheres to her grand vision. But I serve no one, and those I lead wish to be left alone. We do not share Norn's vision. Urbrask's claws rake softly against the stony ground in a movement that Vivian assumed was frustration. Norn wants the multiverse to be one singularity, for all life to be Phyrexian and all Phyrexians to be under Norn. We do not consider that progress. I will not give her the quiet furnace. So Urbas explains to Vivian that he is seeking to fight against Norn, uh, to lead a coup, uh, even if not to wrest control, but to simply deny the machine orthodoxy that same control. So he doesn't necessarily want to be in charge of the Phyrexians, he just doesn't want anyone to be in charge of him. More than anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he is very much like the Ruby Ridge Phyrexian, right? Like that that's yeah. what you're saying. Like ur, the Ur-Libertarian living at the core of the Earth, basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so to do it, to fight against Norn, he tells Vivian that he needs two things from New Capenna specifically. That's why he's here. Uh, the first is a magical substance known as Halo. For sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ga- uh, Gabagool. Gabagool, yeah. Uh, Capricola. Uh, uh, 
So Halo is a, a substance made of extracted angelic essence, known primarily for its magic-enhancing and curative qualities. A lesser-known feature of it is that it is anathema to Phyrexians and would damage one just for holding a container of it. Uh, Ethan, I can tell you took sides, by the way, because on the break, you went and got a red sweater. So I know whose oh, side shit, you're on. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's red and black. Blood. Oh, true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now I don't know what to think. Um, so With Vivian Congress, agrees. No Elish Norn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she's got a lot of red to her. Like her robes are red and the machi- machine orthodoxy is like red and white. That's their yeah, thing, that's right? True. Robes are uh, red, violets are blue. So Vivian agrees uh, to get the halo for him. But as, as she's leaving, Urbass stops her and asks for the second thing. So here's a, a small quote for you guys. One more thing, Urbass said, stopping her in her tracks. While you hunt for Halo, there's someone else I need. Even if I had the strength to look for her, I can't move freely on this plane without suspicion. Who Urbass asked for is better told through the lens of Elish Norn, through the eyes and uh, emotions of someone who has no emotions, and through the uh, dream of somebody who does not dream. Uh... I was so hoping I he'd be like, hang on a second. I need you to find me some Phyrexian pepperoni. They, I can't find it on my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need a Phyrexian Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to return myself to strength. Yes. Um, so I, I shared a picture of Alice Norton for you guys. She, she looks a lot like she did last time, kind of how we've already described. A lot more red to her, I find, than a lot of the other white-aspected ones, uh, which are her red robes, which is kind of like robes of, of office. Yeah, she's less she looks like the too. Spider-Man limited edition PS4. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I gotta give it to you. I guess You're not so. wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, gotta Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so the the story, A Garden of Flesh by Laura Gray, begins with Elish Norn speaking. Here in the machine orthodoxy, there is perfection. Here there is blessing. Clutched in her immutable Phyrexian hand is the head of a Miran woman, struggling feebly against her. Despite this, though, the human stirred an uncanny recognition in Elish Norn. Had she encountered this human before? Doubtful. She would have surely transformed the pitiful creature if she had. It was almost unheard of for anyone to escape the machine orthodoxy. Before her congregation, Elish Norn punctured the flesh of the captive human, Phyrexian oil flowing into the wound. Soon, the organic imperfections of the Mirren would be replaced with cold and calculable machine. Okay, so she can inject it because her her she doesn't have nails. It does look like again she's wearing like porcelain porcelain gloves, and the tips of her fingers, like from the point, not from the nail, are very thin needles. So does she? Yeah. Is that how she like transmogrifies people into? Yeah, she essentially just like cuts this woman's wrist open and then like like sticks her finger in, and from her flows okay. glistening oil essentially. And oh, again, she has, okay. she has access to the mycosynth, which produces this glistening oil. Okay. So she's like she kind of always has it on hand, and it's it's kind of like the holy water of the Phyrexian Church. <laughs> I don't know she's... why, but that bothered me more than the bronchial blood clot. Jamie's just like, hey, you guys want to see this picture of someone uh, exhaling their lungs, and we're like, no. No. And now it's just like, oh yeah, she put goo in a man and he's a monster. Now. He's like, Ugh, too much for me. <laughs> uh, put goo, put goo in a woman. Excuse uh, me. Yeah, and we'll see, we'll see what happens to her. So I, I have a quote for you guys here. The Mirren's body heaved, a convulsion so violent, nor nearly dropped her, and a pulpy cord of organic material, a fibrous wooden root, sinuous and alien, burst from the human's belly. Blood, unnaturally thick and foul, oozed onto the dais. It pooled beneath Norn's feet, a twisted abomination of her own glistening oil, even as more roots bulged from the human's open mouth, wrenching teeth and tongue aside, 
breaking through her eye sockets and squirming into the air. Yeah. Alice Norton was so perplexed. It took a moment for her to react. With a crackle and flare of white light, she transformed a piece of her porcelain armor into a narrow blade and sliced the Mirren's throat with a single stroke. Her lifeless body crumpled at Norn's feet, a pile of unnatural roots, blood, and awful. There was no signs of change or machinery. There was only unnatural corruption. This should never have happened. Gross. So, I've been injecting this, people with mysterious machine fluid for years, and I've never seen this occur. That's, that's exactly like her sentiment right now, is like, hmm. this should have made her into machine perfection, and something clearly went wrong here. And she doesn't know what... She's she leaves the the assembly. She's pretty perturbed. Uh, she does like a lot. Like the story talks a lot about how she's like really trying to like maintain control in front of the the congregation and all that. She orders the body experiments go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it went good. It went good. No roots. No roots looking out of people's eyes. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> nobody's. What, what is the quote? Uh, no root bulged from a mouth, wrenching teeth and tongue aside. Why would you? Why would you think that? Oh <laughs> I God, didn't, I didn't yeah. ask. Actually, that's a weirdly specific thing. I have a small uh, mouth. My teeth would definitely get wrenched, man. Yeah. I don't want that right. shit. That, ow. Uh, she orders the body dissected and disposed of. Uh, while she maintains an air of control, there is turmoil in her thoughts. As I said, Phyrexians don't feel emotions, though something was happening to her. She was feeling something for sure. Uh, Phyrexian oil was predictable, so why hadn't it been that time? Uh, the quote continues. Alice Norn walked across the courtyard. The distant hum of Phyrexian prayers, the only sound to accompany her measured footsteps. She ran one long finger over the lip of the dais. She thought to ascend the steps, to revisit the place the Mirren had collapsed and attempt to determine what might have caused the disruption when she noticed a small blemish on the flagstones. Elish Norn paused. There, where the Mirren's blood had run over the dais and onto the courtyard, was a small, inky weed sprouting through a crack in the flagstones. Its stalk was twisted, a mottled jumble of greens and browns. It was fully organic, hideous, offensive. <laughs> Elish Norn reached down to pluck it, to rid the otherwise perfect stone of the weed, but it was slick, giving beneath her touch like the soft flesh of the Mirren's neck. Norn breathed and yanked the weed viciously upward. It broke loose, far larger than anticipated, the flagstone rupturing at the force of its dislodging. But no roots were hanging from the small intruder. Instead, a human forearm dangled, disproportionately large, half-rotten, bones swinging like the clapper of a cracked bell in the dislocated slop. Its limp fingers were splayed wide, as if still reaching toward the very sto- soil she had plucked it from. Hmm. So, so she's not having a good time. Monsanto carries her out of control, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but our 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 yield margins are so are up. Okay. Yeah, I, I will sue any farmer if the wind blows a single human arm seed into a neighboring farm. I will sue the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Norn's kind of like looking around. She notices countless more weeds like this, and she starts like plucking them in the story. Um, it's funny you mentioned the the lung clot or, or the the lung blood clot earlier, James. And I I completely didn't remember this, but she pulls up one and it just has like a human lung, like that she like plucks out of the ground. Essentially, oh. uh, there's ears. She pulls up like teeth, which are just kind of like intermingled with the roots. Uh, oh, well, teeth is a, uh, is one of the things that makes me the most uncomfortable on the planet. I hate <laughs> fucked like fucked up character design for me is just like too many teeth. But, Put teeth on it like Manus from Dark Souls. Kind of that's has real tumors, his, like, dude. Ghost real hand it is just like yeah, just awful. Well, what well, would be one that would be kind of funny? What if he? What if she pulled one out? And it was just like a really tiny little penis, like boing. Yeah, well, just like well, just like little dick and balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining like regular like garden carrot leaves, and then just like yeah. human limbs. Well, what about what about like a th- a real thick donk? Like what about? 
What about cheese? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> what is like a potato plant? There's like big ass growing on the roof. Yeah, like a succulent yeah. ass. Like <laughs> the peach tree, right? Yeah. Uh, so each of these weeds is an affront to her carefully planned sanctum. We are in like the Church of the Machine Orthodoxy here. Uh, the fair Oh, Basilica. and she's got an organ garden growing now in in her like perfect. Yeah, like perfectly okay. ordered. No longer. Right. Uh, she she exerts complete control. This is like this should not be possible here. This right. isn't possible here. Can I ask a question that might be a spoiler and might be completely wrong? Actually, okay. Is I've, the is I've, the I might answer it with my next question, but go ahead. It, yeah, that's it. It's just, is the phyrexian fluid, uh, which I cannot remember the name of, Glistening is it oil. evolving on its own? No, it's not. Uh, no. So phyrexians don't feel. Uh, so all this stuff shouldn't be possible. This stuff is not possible in the fair basilica phyrexians don't feel emotion and phyrexians do not dream but there is a planeswalker known as ashiok nightmare weaver who thought to change that so i I mentioned earlier that elish norn would have her first ever nightmare in in living memory and she kind of realizes in this moment that she is in a nightmare oh she doesn't dream but even but like her cold Calcul- like calculating nature is able to like put together like the only way that this is possible is if I was having a dream and the only way I would be having a dream is if this guy Ashiok or this uh, NB Ashiok is is uh, involved somehow. Interesting. So Norn summons Ashiok to the nightmare they had created for the Praetor of the Machine Orthodoxy and I have a a long quote for you guys here to kind hey, of motherfucker, are you making me think about sex carrots when I go to sleep? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Play a long much. quote. I'm, I'm picking up my coffee. I'm, I'm putting the chair <laughs> back. Let's get yeah. in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so this abomination, this filth, is indeed your doing, Norn asked coolly. But of course, Ashiok smiled. To be completely honest, I was not certain Phyrexians would be suitable for my art. One simply cannot create a masterpiece without a proper canvas. So you were testing us, Norn said this with control, carefully calculated, even though her indignant fury had begun to boil. She refused to entertain the thought that the kernel of her lingering uncertainty might be perpetuating her doubt. Who else would have been a better test subject? You are the mother of machines, after all, are you not? Your mind... Ashok's voice trailed away, contemplative and vaguely perplexed. It does not process fear the way that human minds do. We are a regent of Phyrexia, Norn said. We are perfection personified. We do not fear. Until today, she would never have questioned that statement. It would not have been a lie to say she had never doubted herself. But Norn refused to let that uncertainty surface completely. She forced authority into her voice, every ounce of deception and manipulation she had honed to defeat her rivals. She was not made entirely of organic material. She was not weak. She was not flesh. She was not human. Ashiok's smile only broadened. They glided in a broad circle around Norn, toes skimming the earth but not quite touching. Oh, if that were true, I wouldn't still be here, would I? Ashiok rose into the air slowly, and the smoke curling from the tips of their finger, their horns began to flow downward, coiling around the human limbs and organs sprouting from the courtyard's flagstones. Norn's gaze followed the path of their ephemeral touch. There, in the jumble of broken stone, was a human head, growing through with a broad crack like a fungus. It was a female with dark hair and light skin. White armor grew up around her chin and jaw like fronds. Her features were covered in the mire, but beneath the filth, Something about her countenance seemed strangely familiar to Norn. I first encountered her when I was creating my art in Theros, Ashiok said, each word somehow menacing in its softness as their smoke caressed the human's head's cheeks and brow. Her name is Elspeth Terrell. Oh. 
So when, when Ellis Norn has a nightmare, she dreams of Elspeth. Very Whoa. cool. You didn't have a picture here for Ashiok. Ashiok is fucking cool. I imagined a human because of most of the planeswalkers, but it is just like the lower half of a face with horns, like black horns growing out of the cheekbones. And then most of the body is just smoke. Yeah, he's uh, or they are uh, a pretty ephemeral figure um, known as the nightmare muse, like I said. But yeah, they they the top half of their head seems to just be like, well, there isn't I, uh, a head. It's just ears and cheekbones and a mouth, right? Yeah, I, it's kind of like it's like horns sticking up from like the top of the ears, essentially. Yeah, uh, or like at the top of the cheekbones. And then there's just like this black mist. But Ashiok being the nightmare weaver, presumably is only ever really seen in nightmares. So what their face might actually look like, who, know. who knows? And I like to think that the black smoke in the middle of their head is kind of like a nightmare, right? Like it's kind of the yeah, uh, yeah. symbolic of, of a nightmare. It's whatever your worst nightmare is. What's your worst nightmare, Pete? Oh, damn. I don't know. <clears throat> Too uh, many teeth. He already said yeah, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say teeth on the inside of your hands. Oh, that's good. So yeah, yeah he, would, he would just be smiling at you and he would have teeth. Just my <laughs> my my worst nightmare is probably if somebody if anybody saw my pee pee. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Never let it happen. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's the one that was pulled up whenever we pulled it out of the. Ethan's nightmare. Of, <laughs> Ethan's nightmare. Woman by Ashiok is just like going his root garden, pulling up his own genitals. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's. Hot, hot mommy, Phyrexian dummy, Elish Norn seeing my pee pee. Yeah. <laughs> you guys ever have the dream that your pee pee gets cut off and you have to race somewhere to get it sewn back on? Nope. I had that once. <laughs> it was really scary. Is that like a, is that like a your teeth fall out dream? I've nope. never had that. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, it got cut off and I was just holding it in my hand. Like I got to get to the doctor fast. And then there's like traffic. Had the, there's a guy with too no many teeth dream. for hands. Yeah. <laughs> I've had the no clothes dream. I've had the dreams where my teeth are loose. Last uh, night I had a dream where I ran into a teacher of mine. Um, who I think lives in my neighborhood. I keep seeing someone I recognize around. And last night I had the dream where I finally like stopped this random woman and just be like, Dr. Shea, is that you? <laughs> and that was the only thing of my fucking so dream that I remember. It's weighing on you, man. You got to talk to this person. <laughs> I do. I know. I know. I need to <laughs> <Yeah>. stop her. <laughs> um that's been our episode thanks so much for listening everybody uh we'd love to keep talking about dreams uh i'm sure but we are coming up on two hours here i know i know this was a long one so so oh. thanks for sticking through i hope you guys have been uh enjoying the uh new arc i'm gonna say i don't know if i'm gonna jump right back into phyrexia next but if you guys have thoughts on um you know which part of dominaria united the brothers war that you guys want specifically covered uh reach out and let me know and, uh, and i'll be happy to kind of work around that or try and integrate that as much as if you I want can find uh, interesting a full hour uh recount of me getting my pp cut off in my dream uh let me know yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's gonna be on next week's bonus content so uh we'll get into the the patreon plug in a little bit but before we get there jamie do you have anything you want to plug uh no just get into the discord uh that's where we're spending most of our time uh even during throughout this episode pete posted a pic of us with all of our uh flannels because we got them over the break break to be fair i was not looking off during work (laughs) i took a picture of my dog listening to the podcast before you got to um there there's a bunch of cool stuff going on honestly like i get so hyped for some certain games in there too like hondolo and uh fragile shark we talk about uh mountain blade bannerlord too Mountain Blade 2 banner it sounds really really fun um also thanks to hondolo for helping out uh some folks in the discord uh, with their laptop issues 
a big part of our community. I thank you on the bonus content, but you'll never hear it, Hondolo. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe yeah. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Peter, uh, is there anything happening in Instagram these days? Uh, yeah, at Lower Boys Podcast. Uh, if you want to reach out to us and DM us, maybe give us some free shit, random stranger, uh, go for it. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, comic world is going well. Um, I, there's I quite- just... I just got why they call it squared idea because they have an idea and comic panels are little squares. Check. I don't know, man. Ask Chris. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I, just, I just got that. I, like, I'm, I'm going to say if they didn't mean it, that's that's Lord Boy's canon. That's for squared. Yeah, idea. I mean, we can we can Lord Boy's canon all there. You can ask him at Comic-Con or next time you see him. <laughs> um, <laughs> otherwise, uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Um, honestly, the Jorman Gunder uh, weatherman title card normally i'll like post transformers pictures to like bait people in because there's always that classic artist thing of just like oh here's a thing i spent seven hours on like 10 likes it's like here's a picture of shrek 200 likes yeah normally i use my transformers collection as bait the jormungandr one like did really really well so if you want to check out the nice. title cards and say hi uh please at Loreboys podcast on instagram or just go to loreboys.com where it's all posted anyway cool cool um if you guys want to support the show want to get access to that bonus content where jamie will talk about getting his dick cut off some more uh <laughs> it's a, it's not much an more hour that, an hour is, <laughs> no you you promised him an hour dude you gotta deliver now you better have you better go get dreaming that's all i can say um <laughs> We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the loreboys. Uh, become a patron, you get access to some some special channels on the Discord server, uh, including a patron AMA, where we do our best to answer all your questions. Uh, you'll get bonus content. You'll get the script, which will have all the uh, images from this week's episode conveniently already saved in there. Uh, and um, yeah, you get to play a fun game called Looser Titles, uh, usually on Mondays, whenever we can whenever we can get our shit together. Um, it's, it's before the episode, yeah. That's patreon.com slash the lore boys. If you guys are at all interested in that, thanks so much to everybody who's been leaving us reviews. They really, 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 really help the show. Uh, if you guys want to take some time and leave us some reviews on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, uh, some five stars, uh, it's super appreciated. So, so thanks so much. Anybody who wants to support the show doesn't trust friggin' Patreon, big Patreon, big far, far Matreon. The man. Uh, yeah, Patreon owned by Nestle and Monsanto. Uh, <laughs> oh my fucking god! <laughs> uh, you guys can, of course, uh, subscribe to Lore Boys Prime, where we are. Uh, we're building our church. We're building the the <laughs> Lorthodoxy uh, uh? Ch- <laughs> Church of of Eastern Orthodoxy, um, and uh, we're we're taking all comers really. So uh, you know, we have some pretty basic tenets. Uh, Bring your one of which. One of which wear flannels. I mean, mm-hmm. thou shalt not show Ethan's peepee. Uh, that's one of our one of our primary tenets. Yeah, uh, Pete, one, yeah. Pete, you came up with some tenets, right? You, you you did. You came up with some tenets for our church, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't talk about my hairline ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a Pete's, big one. He might have the best hairline out of the three of us too. Just saying something. I, I it's just because it's so dry. I can see my scalp when the light hits it. I'm worried. You were just saying you didn't wash your hair for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and now it's all dry. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it, it was months. Like, I ran into Pete, and, and it was like a couple months he hadn't washed his hair. Yeah, yeah. no shampoo. No shampoo I sniffed it. Months. It was okay. Yeah, two and a half months. Yeah, th- thou shalt sniff Pete's hair. That's another yeah. one. That's, yeah, that's, 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 our, uh, that's our communion, is everyone, everyone goes up and eats a little cracker and then takes a whiff of Pete's hair. 
No, it's just <laughs> it's just a wafer. It's just a wafer, but it's got one of my hairs on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the the salmon spread with the little caper on top. Yeah, and it, uh, it's meant it's meant to to symbolize uh, the body and the peepee. The hair is the peepee. Pee. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you guys want to join the church, uh, just you know. Send us a bring tithe, your clogs. I guess. Bring your clog. <laughs> bring your clog. Uh, Get your clog. Yeah, put a clog in your ass. <laughs> leave, leave, leave your clogs at the door, okay? And don't, don't during during the congregation. Do not go check on your clogs, okay? Don't be going. Don't be going to the atrium when when the church when church is in session. All right. Well, it's like a mosque where you, you have to show up to the mosque wearing clogs and take them off and barefoot on the carpet, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we uh, all pray at the same time towards Jamie's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would cost me a lore boys. Lore boys. Out. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.